I hope that is your prayer today, to, that your life would count for Jesus. Really, when we think about it, what else is there to life? Other than counting for Jesus and doing what He wants for us, because you can build up all the fortune and fame and everything you want, and guess what's going to happen? You're going to die and you're going to leave it here. And that's why it's important that we, we live our life to count for Him. Uh, it's not about the earthly things, it's about heavenly things. And, uh, and that's what, again, that's what we really want to focus uh, in our missions conference is just getting our eyes off of self, getting our eyes off the world, getting it back on Jesus and what His purpose is. And Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Aren't you glad He did that? Praise the Lord for that. And uh, our desire and our purpose is to try to reach people with the gospel. And that's why we have a missions conference. So glad to have Brother Aaron Sakelli with us this morning. Uh, Brother Sakelli is a, a church planter uh, in Camus, Washington. And uh, I will have to say this. Um, I told Brother Sakelli, I said, he really got one on me because I told the guys, I said, we need to make sure we have flags for all of the countries and places that we're going to. So they ordered flags, make sure we had flags. We've got all the flags up here, and then we've got other flags uh, represented in the back. But uh, they said, Pastor, the flags are in. So I, I pulled open the Washington flag, and I thought, this cannot be the Washington flag. <laughs> I said, you got, are, you guys, are you guys pulling a joke on me or something? They're like, no, we ordered the Washington I was like, this is not the Washington flag. The Washington flag does not have a picture of George Washington in the middle of it. This, this is not it. They said, Pastor, it really is. I did not believe them. And so I actually had to pick out my phone, Google it, and sure enough, that is the state of Washington flag. I, I had no idea it had a picture of George Washington in the middle of the flag. And I was like, wow, learn something new every day. And uh, so he, you got one on me there, brother. And he said, well, at least the state of Washington does not have an AK-47 on it, right? <laughs> As Mozambique does. So uh, you learn a lot about the countries of their flags. But uh, Brother Kelly, you come. I uh, appreciate him and just what God's doing in his life. I know you'll Speak a little bit about that, and uh, then, of course, you'll be with us throughout this week as well. Amen. Appreciate you. it, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm actually working with the state on putting my face up there next, so let's, uh, we'll see how much convincing I can do there. Well, I appreciate uh, you being here this morning. I really appreciate the heart uh, of missions that's emphasized this week. I love seeing it emphasized even to the young people uh, as well, because we all have a part in this great commission that we're commissioned to. And there's not a one of us that is left out of that. And we all get to be involved in some way, some fashion or form. I, I grew up as a missionary kid. My parents were missionaries to the Fiji Islands and I spent almost 10 years out there and then my dad had kidney failure and we had to re return stateside. And so I was a missionary kid, a pastor's kid, and uh, then became a, a youth pastor uh, down in uh, uh, Borden, Indiana, Carr Township Baptist Church, which is our sending church. And, uh, and now we're in Washington State now, Camas, city of Camas, Washington, just across the river from Portland, Oregon, and it's a desperate area that needs the gospel and needs Jesus uh, desperately. And so if you think about Acts 1-8 and talk about uh, the Judea and, and Samaria and then the uttermost parts of the earth, uh, Portland would be considered our, your Samaria. You know, here's your Judea, that's this area and region here that you uh, have a desire to reach. And then Samaria is just a hop and a skip and a jump across the way. And then you have the uttermost uh, parts of the world. And so that's, that's where we're at. We have a desire to reach uh, the, the people there. And we'll share a little bit more of that a little bit later. But this morning, I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. 
And I kind of want to share this morning, mission starts with the heart. It's really where it starts. Um, we kind of get fancy with it, too. We have, we have a conference that's organized around this. We have, uh, you have the flags display. We have the, the, uh, the map that's up there, and we're all here today. And uh, by the way, everybody's, I mean, it's just been incredible. I've loved the music, all the organization that goes into this. I know there's a ton of hard work, the food, the preparation, and all of it. But at the end of it, it really is the position and condition of my heart before God. And it's my personal relationship. He emphasized that, Pastor did. It's your personal relationship with God. And it goes, it, uh, finances applies to it, but it goes beyond just the finances. And it, and it goes to the condition of my heart. And so you're there in Isaiah 58. Once you get there, I want you to flip over and pick up Psalm chapter 51. We'll come back to Isaiah 58, but I want you to pick up Psalm 51. Psalm 51 and verse number 6. The Bible says, Behold, thou desirest truth, in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Title of my message this morning is True or False. True or False. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your love to us. I thank you for just your mercy and your kindness towards us. Lord, I thank you for a First Baptist Church here who just has a a sincere desire to reach the world with the gospel, the light of Jesus, and their desire to reach this area and uh, the United States and, and the nations of the world. Lord, I'm thankful for that heart. Lord, I pray that you just help me as I attempt to communicate this morning how you desire to take us to a deeper level when it comes to our own personal relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to sit for a minute and, and allow you to speak to our hearts or use my feeble attempts to communicate um, and use your Holy Spirit, Lord, to just confirm some of these things to our hearts, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I was homeschooled. How many homeschoolers in here? Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, we, aren't, we aren't as dumb as we think some people think we are, uh, but some of us are, so I'll just put that out there. But how, how many of you remember uh, if you were in high school or, or growing up, grade school, and you took t- a test, and uh, you loved the true or false region, right? It was like true or false, and, and you kind of figure out what the answer to that is, but the only negative about true and false answer on a test was you either got it 100% right or you're 100% wrong, right? There was no in-between. There was no maybe. It was true or false. You can flick back to Isaiah 58. The context of Isaiah 58 is, is, is really the whole book of Isaiah is 
course, we know it's one of the major uh, prophets in the Old Testament, major just meaning one of the larger books that is written. It is written by the prophet Isaiah, who ministered in the southern kingdom of Judah during the 8th century uh, B.C. The book is divided into two main sections, the first 39 chapters, and then the last uh, 40 through 66. The first part addresses the historical context of Isaiah's time, focusing uh, on the issues at that time and about judgment that was coming, and Isaiah was, was this warning voice. And then the second part of it speaks to the context of the Babylonian exile, and it offers a message of comfort and restoration and the hope of the future. And if you read the book of Isaiah, the last, last 15 chapters or so, you can clearly see the, the, the gospel. You can clearly see the coming Messiah and the prophecies of, of the coming Jesus. And it's a beautiful book to, to study. But right here in the middle of that is Isaiah 58. And we pick up in verse number one. God says to Isaiah, cry aloud, spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. So welcome to church this morning. We came to talk about your sins. Amen. Praise the Lord. You're excited as as I am. Okay. Uh, Verse number two. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and Forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Now all of this sounds pretty good up, up until this point, right? This, this sounds like a, uh, maybe a, this is a nation, but let's think of a church context. It sounds like a church that's accomplishing some things. There's, there's a desire there to, uh, to, to, to seek God daily. There's a desire to, to delight and to know God's ways. There's a desire to, to, to experience righteousness and they've forsaken, uh, the ordinances, but, what is God talking about here? He's, he's addressing them and he's addressing the sin. And, and what I'm going to cover this morning really has to do with the heart condition of the people of Israel. And I really want to draw us, our attention, to our heart condition. Because it's too easy for us to have right actions, but have a wrong heart motivation. It's too easy for us to dress up and put on a show that's false, and what's truly going on in my heart is completely different. What is God's issue? Look at verse number three. Wherefore have we fasted? This is now Israel speaking to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, behold, in the day of your fast, I've kind of circled these words. God is speaking to the children of Israel, and he's saying, Behold, in the day of your fast, ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. Verse number four, Behold, ye fast for strife, and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. You shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. 
Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? See, what was going on with the children of Israel was they had a form of godliness, but they were denying the power thereof. They had great outward appearances and actions that looked really good. And it's so easy for us, and I've grown up in in church my entire life, and because of that, I've gotten really good at knowing what it looks like to do the right thing. And I can keep up appearances pretty well. And those of you that have been around church any length of time, I would say probably have the same problem, the same same issue. We can come in on Sunday morning, somebody asks you, hey, how are you doing? You say, doing great, God bless. Praise the Lord, amen. And yet there's turmoil in your heart. Maybe there's sin that's resting there. And God is stirring up the, the children of Israel, and I want to, us to be reminded this morning that God desires truth in the inward parts. He desires your heart Spurgeon says this, they are always in a place of worship, if possible. They cannot have too many services and sermons, yet they have no heart towards God. Oh my dear friends, let us always be afraid of merely external religiousness. Genuine conversion, real devotion to God, true communion with God, these are sure things, but mere outward religiousness is nothing but so much varnish and tinsel. It is indeed but the ghastly coffin of a soul that never was quickened unto spiritual life. This is the way these sham religiousness talk about their religion. That's some strong language there. Jesus would look at the Pharisees and he would say, hey, you're whited sepulchers, but inwardly there's dead man's bones. So I want us to notice, first of all, number one, there's a critique of false worship. There's a critique of false worship. God is stirring up the children of Israel and he desires their heart. You do realize that missions, that the heart of it is my heart aligned with God's heart. You know what that is? And that is only developed out of a relationship with God. Those of you that are married in here, you understand that in order for you to know what your wife likes, loves, dislikes, enjoys, you have to spend time with her. Those of you that have a best friend, the reason you, they're your best friend and you know the ins and outs of who they are and their emotions and reactions and what, what they desire and what they distaste is because you spent time with them, getting to know them, their heart. And this is the desire that God has for you and I. And so there's a critique here in Isaiah 58 of their false worship. And God begins to describe their works, which from the outset seem like really good accomplishments that they're, that they're doing. 
Yet God exposes the shallow worship of his people. He desires them to move to a deeper understanding of his heart. And that's God's desire for you this morning. He wants you to to get a glimpse of what God's heart is, what his heart is for the world, for your community, for your own family. Verse number six. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? God would describe in the first several verses the Israelites' form of fasting. Which I mean was, a, was, was something of a great physical discipline to, 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 to refrain from, from eating is what it was. And oftentimes somebody was, who was in the midst of a fast would, would, would be overcome with great emotion and they wanted to make sure that everybody knew that they were involved in this fast and that they were devoted to God and, and they desired uh, to, to, to have special requests from God and, and it was something that was performance based to others yet God looked through all of that and saw their true intentions and saw their true heart and God says you know what I I don't desire your fast, your religion. I desire my fast. He says, is not this the fast that I have chosen, verse number six, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house when thou seest the naked that thou cover him and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? Kind of seems off to me, doesn't it? It's like this, this, is, this is, we're talking about missions, but this is, this is the, the, the heart of the gospel. This is what God is, God is communicating here, but, but God, we're, we're steadfast, we're devoted, we, we've gained knowledge of you, and they've got all these accomplishments that are lined up, and, and God says, look, I want to move you from your shallow version of worship to true worship. He says, and true worship is, is coming to this point. My fast is that you loose the bands of wickedness to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. And he begins to move them to an understanding of his heart. Look at chapter 61. Flip over there real quick. And verse number one. So first we see there's a critique of false worship, but secondly, there's a call to scriptural justice. All right, there's a hot word that's going around in our day and age, social justice, which I'm not necessarily for, but I'm all for scriptural justice. And this is what God was calling for for his people. 
He says, look, you want to see some things happen. We're going we're to get to the end of this. And, and he, he, he's going to point them back to their, their uh, influence on the nations surrounding them. And he says, you want my heart? You're going to have to shift your attention away from yourself, from your religiosity, to what I desire and my heart. And he says, you're going to have to align to my heart. And so I'm calling to you to scriptural justice. Look at Isaiah 61 and verse number one. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings. That's the gospel. Unto the meek he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. This passage of scripture reminds you of a passage in the New Testament, does it not? In the New Testament, Jesus would enter into the synagogue. And it just so happens that it was his turn to read the scriptures. And the Bible says that the, the scroll of Isaiah was handed to Jesus. And when Jesus stood up, he reads this passage here, Isaiah 61, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. And he would go on to say, today is this fulfilled. You see, the gospel, the good news, is, is Jesus himself coming to set captives free, to bind up the brokenhearted, the wounded, the outcast. We're in the city of Portland, basically in the Portland metro area, 15 minutes outside of the city of Portland. There's a lot of broken people there. The West as a whole, you know, if you're in this area, look at the West as kind of this broken part of the nation that's like needs to get their act together. And they really do. <laughs> but they're not going to do it by self-performance and programs. They're going to do it with the gospel, through the gospel of the Lord Jesus, of Jesus healing them. You know that what's, that's what salvation is, healing? The root word of salvation is salve. You've heard that word before. It's a healing. And the moment of salvation is healing of those brokenhearted, the wounds. And then as you walk with God, you know, we've not overcome everything in our life. There's still brokenness there that God has to continue to work through the brokenness of sin in my life, the past, relationships. And God calls his people to scriptural justice. In the city of Portland, there's a great population of homelessness growing. And people are disgusted with it. And yet what I see and observe happening in the future for our church there in Camas is we're going to have to reach out to those people. Why? Because God says, you want my heart? You got to deal with that. Nobody else wants to. And Jesus says, I'm com I've come for them. Jesus ate with publicans and sinners he also ate with the Pharisees. That's who God is. That's who Jesus is. The father walked out the front door to welcome home the prodigal son. 
He also walked out the back door to deal with the pharisaical son. That's, that's the Lord that I serve in his heart. And so he calls his people to scriptural justice. It, is, it, is our, it should be our heart to see the broken people that are in this community right here in Eaton, Ohio. People may seem put together. They may have their business in order. But I'll just tell you what, I know the brokenness of sin. And I know that there are people going day in, day out, that are miserable because they don't have Jesus. And they need you and I to stop playing games and to stop playing church. You're here this morning in church, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing that at all. But God wants more than your attendance in church. He wants and desires your heart. And he wants your heart to align with his heart. And so there's a call to scriptural justice. Look at verse number 7 in Isaiah 58. You can flip back there. He says, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house, when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? I mean, (laughs) number three, there's a cry for genuine compassion. We lack compassion as individuals, do we not? Don't we just go to and fro, you know, driving on the, on the highway or wherever you drive here, and you pass people by. You're working with them. Some of them are family, some of them are friends, and we just navigate life dealing with our own situations, and yes, you're religious, and maybe you read your Bible a little bit. Maybe you have a sincere desire for God, and, and God wants you to get his heart For those individuals. Is it true or false? Do you have a true heart? A true light of the gospel? Genuine compassion. You see, (laughs) the nation was starving themselves physically, and yet they were spiritual gluttons. What do I mean by that? They were continuously intaking. It's easy for us to become consumer Christians. Let's take in, take in, take in, and never reaching out. It's easy for us to try to try to deal with God this way. And we want God to do this for us, and we want God to do this for us. That's what most people do when they go, hey, I'm going to do a fast. I, I desire God to do something for me. Or I, need a, I need him to answer this prayer, or I need a, him to answer this question. And they're so busy dealing with God this way. By the way, that's, that's important. But they've neglected that God desires this direction as well. We get so, it's, it's crazy, right? We can get selfish in our Christianity. And God desires us to have a genuine compassion for the multitudes. That's what Jesus would say when he saw the crowds that were hungry. And he would kind of bump the disciples and he would say, I have compassion on them. 
Many times he would perform miracles and it would be out of a, out of a heart of he was moved with compassion for the people. When was the last time you were moved with compassion? It's a sad day when the church is no longer moved with a compassion for souls because our heart has moved away from the heart of God. They were whited sepulchers on the outside and yet dead man's bones on the inside, having a form of godliness but no power. Look at verse number eight. Then, then, all the verses preceding this, he says, look, put away your your fake religion, your false worship, Put away your performance-based religion. Put that aside and desire the fast that I have chosen. Look, you have your own, you're trying to pursue your own pleasures. This is the fast that I have chosen. He says, when you accomplish that, verse number eight, then shall thy light break forth as the morning. And thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy rearward. What God is saying here is, look, First Baptist Church, and whatever other church you represent here, do you want to have your church be a light in this community? Do you want your church to be involved with global missions, with home missions, It starts with the heart that is connected to God's heart of compassion, of scriptural justice, of seeing the needy. We don't like to deal with that that side of things. We'd rather just fill out our card, fill it in, and be done. Do that, please. (laughs) But it's beyond that. It's every single day, every single moment that your heart is aligned with God and he says, you know what will happen next is your light will break forth and your righteousness shall go before thee. People are going to start talking about, you know what, that First Baptist Church, they're different. They've got a genuine heart of compassion for people. And then he says, and the Lord shall be your rearward. It's like your righteousness will be in front, and God will be behind you. Saying, yes. That's what I desire to see. Look at verse number nine. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, here I am. You know, many times our prayer requests are based out of selfishness instead of being based out of selflessness. We are really good at praying for what I need or what I want or what I want to accomplish. And God's saying, look, move your attention and focus off of yourself and begin to focus on ministering to those around you, to your friends, to your family, to your circle of influence. And when you get that heart, then I'm going to be able to use you and, and and influence others around you through you. 
and the answers to your prayers that you aren't getting will begin to be answered. That's what he says. I'll begin to answer. I'll say, here I am. Thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity. And if thou draw out thy soul, verse number 10, to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness be as the noonday, and the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in, if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. And I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. That's what God wants to do with you and me. That's what God wants to do with every single little child here who, who places their little faith promise in there. He desires them to be a little light. They're, they made me sing it back there. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Jesus would say in John chapter 8. He would say, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And then in Matthew 5, he would say, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Flip with me to the book of John, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Gospel of John is, is one of my favorite books. And I love how John the Beloved, he starts in John chapter 1, almost like a, a nod to Genesis 1, and he says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness. So I looked at the word witness this morning with the teenagers. You know what a witness is? Witness in a court of law is someone who stands and declares what they have seen, what they have heard, and what they have experienced. When you and I declare to this world and we're, we're being a witness to them, it's not that we have the Romans road memorized, although that's a good thing to do. It's not that we know all the answers that the hard questions that are going to come my way. Nope. 
a witness meant that I have experienced and seen Jesus in my own life, and I want to declare that to the world, and I want to share that with my friends, and I want to share that with my family, and that's the light that Jesus desires in your heart, the true light, Jesus himself shining in and through you. Verse number eight, or verse number seven, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light that was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world. The world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Flip over to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, as Jesus ministered, he would stop in this town and area of Samaria. They were outcasts. These are the people that... that that the Jews did not want to have any dealings with. They, didn't, they disliked this peop, these people. And gee, this is who Jesus ministered to. And in conversation with this woman of Samaria, she talks about their place of worship. She talks about the Jews worshiping in Jerusalem. And she talks about the Samaritans worshiping at another location. And in verse 21, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So let me ask you this question this morning. True or false? Do we have a false form of worship? Do we have a religion that's based off of what I can accomplish, what I can do, what the pastor approves of, and, and it looks great, but my heart is nowhere near the Lord. You can get up here and sing and the choir and the specials and powerful songs, by the way. But where's my heart at? We just moved to Washington. And Washington has a lot of trees a lot of rain, the trees require a lot of rain. And the, we've got five acres of the church property that's there. And the church building is on the front part of the property. And then the back half is mostly woods. And there's a narrow driveway that goes all the way back, about 100 yards, a couple hundred yards to the parsonage. Well, that narrow driveway is, gets very dark of all the trees, very tall trees. It's very dark in that, that driveway, really, towards mid-afternoon. It's hard to see back there. And once you get to evening and dusk, it gets really dark. So I went down to Lowe's and I picked up some of those landscape lighting, you know, the solar landscape lighting. They weren't cheap. Well, I bought them, and I was like, these are going to be great. And I lined them up all the way back. There's probably about 10 of them or so. All the way back, and I thought, these are going to be great. These are going to be awesome. Like, it's so dark back in here at night, and I need light through here. And 
not running an electric yet, so I need these to work. It's going to be great. So I set them up all the way down, all the way back. Well, you know what those lights need to be able to produce light? The true light. Right? The true light. The sunlight. It needs that sunlight to beam on those lights so that they can provide light for the surrounding area. But if there are things that are in the way or obstructing, obstructing the sunlight from reaching that solar light, it doesn't have any capability of its own to produce light. So that first night, I was highly disappointed. And have been since. I haven't taken them up yet. They're just annoying now. They produce like very, very little light, you know. But unfortunately, sometimes that's what our life looks like. Jesus desires to break forth and shine in and through you and I. He is the true light. And a lot of us are trying this false light. We're trying to produce light on our own. And, and we, you know, one of those lights is like flickering. And that's kind of like how, how we are. We're just kind of flickering. And eventually, without going to the source, the true light, it's going to die. And that's what your light my light needs the true light. And that's why I love the two verses that Jesus uses. He says, I am the light of the world. And then he says, you are the light of the world. But we're not the source. Jesus is. In order for us to have the true light of Christ... We have to spend time with Jesus, which I focused with on the teenagers this morning. In order to be a witness of who Jesus is, I have to spend time with Jesus so that I can become like Jesus. And then when I'm out and about, they will no longer see you. They'll see Jesus in your life. You and I are not attractive. You may think you are. You and I are not. Only Jesus is attractive. And so my desire as we start this week is that you would have the heart of God for missions. That you would align your heart with him. True or false? Let's pray. Lord, Thank you for your love to us. I thank you that you're, you're patient with us, even when we're stumbling about trying to accomplish things in our own strength and ability. You continue to call to us. You invite us to come to you. Lord, I know that this week you want to accomplish so many things in the heart's of people in my heart. Lord, I pray that there would be 
young people that are called to, to missions, to become missionaries globally, overseas, here in the United States, that there would be a stirring up of a burden for this area. But I pray that we would align our hearts with you and not try to accomplish it in what we want to accomplish, but that we would accomplish what you desire in our lives. True worship, a true relationship with you, a true light that is seen in our life. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for putting up with us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to hand it over to